Are you ready? Uh-huh. Hello Black, episode 89. 11 more episodes till episode 100, you feel me? Niggas is getting close. Happy holidays to everybody. Hope y'all had a good holidays. Habari Ghani for all them niggas celebrating Kwanzaa and shit. Kuji Chakoli and shit. Self-determination, you feel me? But we ain't here rocking. Per usual. Yep. I'm not really looking forward to this episode. I'm in the hot seat again now. You was in the hot seat last time and now I'm in the hot seat. Oh, man. I don't know. It's not going to be that bad because you don't have to listen to it. Yeah, that's true. I just get it. Yeah, like it's actually not I just get a therapy session. It's actually not that bad. And you're probably going to do more good than bad when you're able to provide some much-needed perspective to some of this shit. Like, yeah. It's like so much of the... When we talk about personal experience sometimes on here, I think it's really, really surface level. When I think about the people who I've been able to learn from, who had the deepest impact on me, were the folks that I was able to make some type, excuse me, some type of connection to the, the being that they are outside of the work that I recognize them for. Yeah. And so... It's just one of those things you got to well, do, People can bro. see you holistically in, yeah. a, in a way. I think that, that's that's important. And it's not you egotistical know. at all, right? I think it's just, I think you're somebody who spends so much time for, I think you spend a lot of time um, just burying yourself in the work and at least, yeah, I, don't, I don't think you uh, like brag or boast about your work um, that much. I don't think you talk about, not that much, I don't think you brag or boast about your work at all, but I also don't think you talk about your work enough enough in a way that can truly allow people to like have an insight into who you are into the traditions and shit that you guided by yeah. um, and that could be detrimental bro if you're not leaving that kind of paper trail for, yeah. for the niggas after you at least the niggas can see the growth and shit you feel me how niggas developed and grew over mm-hmm. years you know and to show that you ain't just some big light skinned nigga <laughs> just a fucking brute <laughs> who not impacted by the work that he doing you feel me like yeah. niggas gotta humanize it it's unfortunate you know what I'm saying? Like, he's got to humanize themselves sometimes. For sure. Yeah. But no, I'm looking forward to it. Especially, you know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to just talking about it and get our guests, you know. It kind of gave me some anxiety when you sent me the questions. I was like, oh, fuck. I got to start talking talk about my childhood and shit, yeah. how they just grew up. And then I started thinking about Cal and shit. I'm like, fuck, bro. I had hella trauma, bro. Start resurfacing. You just, you know. Sometimes when you have trauma, it's just like everything kind of just... Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't know like, what's going to be the thing to set it off. Yeah. And it could be like that snowball effect, right? Like, okay, now first thing is about Concord, and then it's about De La Salle, then it's about Cal. <laughs> you kind of forced to go back into time. Yeah. It's like when we work out at, at Beehive sometimes. I'm like, Bro, nigga, you... I do not have the best memories up here. Yeah. You feel me? <laughs> shit. So if you have me, or when we go to Cal for yeah. shit, you feel me? You worked. Yeah, that's a whole nother, other layer. Whole nother story. Let's, um, what do we do? Tell people to subscribe to. Nigga, look, this is the y'all y'all have no idea what y'all in store for in twenty twenty one. I'm telling y'all. Like this hella black shit is about to be re fucking vitalized, like in a way that it hasn't been. I I'm 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 excited, bro. Y'all about to get some really dope contents, really dope guests, some really meaningful conversations. Um We running some plays. Yeah. Hopefully if and that's that's we the ideal running situation. Plays, actually yeah. being running plays on you niggas, man, but <laughs> that's the ideal situation is us trying to um, utilize this platform uh, to the best of our abilities and make make real space for it. Cause I, as as you can see, the state is working overtime with a liberal, both liberal and fucking liberal and fascist, fascist propaganda. propaganda. You know what I'm coming saying? from everywhere. Yeah. Pew pew and pew so pew, nigga. <laughs> if it's whether it's hella black or any any space where you can get some real content that is guided by radical or revolutionary theories and traditions I one whole heart I wholeheartedly want y'all to invest in the motherfuckers in every way of y'all life and spread the word especially on some shit like hella black y'all go spread the word on us patreon.com slash hella black pot shout out to all the patrons fucking with us long time patrons long time supporters that's the shit that we need and that's that's the shit that really help us keep moving and keep going and allowing allowing niggas to, to work in and to live and to do real work the same time so I, I, i'm very grateful um especially during the pandemic that niggas still choose to support us um and, and help fund this this uh podcast that really centers the black radical tradition because this shit you know one one thing we say is like ain't nobody bigger than the program and there's ain't, ain't nobody bigger than the black radical tradition you feel me so appreciate y'all are we starting with black joy yeah so so what was your black joy <laughs> uh 
I definitely in my, in my mind I hold a whole rat, but go uh, off. No, nah, I'm not going to. Right. My black joy <laughs> is I got a new plant, um, like a week or two ago, in that I got to spend a lot of time with one of my grandmothers. Um, last week I think I fucking took her with me to, like, to get a plant to get some other household shit, and then we went and walked, uh, the Berkeley Marina. That's what's up. Yeah, so that's my joy. Yeah, yeah. That's what's up. I just, I just got you know, I'm, I'm on that plant gang now too. I got two plants now, man. I'm over your here. Second one, it's, it's in my room. I'll you got two of them. Yeah. So I'm excited, excited for that, that new journey. Hopefully, uh, they, they stay, they stay alive. They stay with, they stay with life. <laughs> Cause plants I, ain't no joke, man. Bro, cause I had a plant on my desk at Cal. And that shit lasted for a dumbass long. My auntie got it for me when we opened the center. It lasted for like three years. And then something happened. Or I got in like that car accident. And I was not work for a minute. And then, you know, my students let that motherfucker die. <laughs> Came back. That shit was dead. But, uh, you know, shout out plants. But my black joy, just definitely, you know, having some time off. Um, being able to hang out with my siblings. Hang out with my mom. Hang out with my grandma. Um, and just be able to. Being around family, you know, and just be able to chill. That shit was nice. Um, playing Xbox with my little brother. That nigga beat my ass in FIFA. I was, you feel me? I was like talking shit, like, yeah, all right, we'll play FIFA. Nigga beat my ass. Um, <laughs> it was good. You Don't know. Quit fucking with them young niggas. What <laughs> that nigga man. Red Daddy say on Friday? I don't know why you keep playing with these niggas. Man, that nigga was going in on me, bro. I'm surprised he didn't get ten goals. That nigga beat me like five goals or nothing. I don't play FIFA. That oh, nigga, real, that nigga, real soccer head. So yeah. I hope he beat me. Otherwise, I would have. Ain't no young nigga beating me in shit. Period. <laughs> Period. Till you throw him. I'm not playing no nigga who like if a nigga, but and I'm saying universal gaming like. FIFA is not universal gaming. That is a very specific demographic of yeah. like niggas who either love soccer or niggas who play soccer or both. Yeah, that that's not something that you just or like in, like college kids. He in college, ain't he? In college? Yeah, you start, yeah. yeah, like I remember like in the dorms and shit. Yeah, or you like, always playing. Yeah, or you know going to niggas' houses, but a universal game that extends beyond your love for soccer or extends beyond um, that kind of age demographic. You're talking Madden and 2K. Those are the only two sports games that extend past, like, like everybody should know how to play those. Yeah, that's definitely just some real American shit. <laughs> Madden and 2K, the two American sports. But it is a fact, though. It yeah, is so definitely When universal. I say ain't no young nigga beating me, well, not in 2K21. There's probably some young niggas that'll thrash me because I can't shoot. But Madden, I can hold my own. At least keep yeah. it zero to zero. Yeah. Till Tata come up in here. Nigga, Tata ain't beat me in no fucking mad nigga. Tata can't beat me in shit. <laughs> what the fuck? Are we diving in? I guess I guess we're diving in. You know, I don't know. Last week I got to interview the Wednesday, and that was a really dope conversation. And uh, I feel like it was dope for people to get to know you more, even for me to get to know you a little bit more too. Yeah. I think a lot of those conversations we've had, but just you know, in a deeper dive. Yeah. So I appreciate you. You know, talking about yourself and, and being vulnerable because that shit, shit ain't easy. <laughs> yeah, um, and especially as you processing childhood and shit, like yeah, shit could be a lot. I I think the interview was it was cool though. I tried to not focus on myself, um, and the contrary, even if even if on a on a conscious level people say they don't like talking about themselves, I think on a subconscious level. Kind of something does come out where it's like fuck, like I don't gotta hold this shit in anymore, you know. Um, and so while there were parts of me that didn't enjoy it, there was also parts of me like, oh shit. It's free. And it's a reminder because yeah. you forget some of those things. Not even if you like, I guess like the traumatic things. It's kind of like a defense mechanism to suppress them or whatever. Yeah. But I think also niggas just have lived so much life in such a short amount of time that you kind of forget. Like even as I was writing the questions for you, I'm like, oh shit, this was. I was around for some of this shit. You know what I'm saying? But you just, <laughs> niggas just do so much every single day that it kind of, uh, you just, it, some some of the most pivotal, pivotal and I think important moments can be, can can feel so mundane depending on this, your current state of being or your, whatever your state of being was at that, at that time. Yeah. Um, so y'all think it's going to be fun to, 
this it's gonna be up and down for you, bro. You're gonna have moments where you're like, I really don't want to talk about this shit, but maybe there's some value in it. And also, like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, and it might help other people too. Yeah. But we can we can kick it off. Um I definitely wanted to touch on like what it was like growing up in Concord. Um, because I think we, we talk about it like a little bit. Yeah. Uh but there's just like I have my own experience with Concord. That's not a place I went a lot as a kid. Um but Did you go to Waterworld and shit? Yeah, Waterworld, <laughs> like the mall. Yeah, Sun um, Valley. And then like to play in like like different like football camps or whatever or watching like friends or family who play that D- play that DVC yeah. and shit, but I could only imagine what it was like. And even then, like you get like the, you can always tell like it was not a place like it was affluent of what you would call it or like middle class. And then you have like the really rich parts of it. Right? Like I'm assuming like every fucking place in the Bay Area, yeah. kind of like the middle class shit. And then you got the shit that's like where the niggas is actually getting getting money. Uh, but like, what was it like to be there as a fucking to live there as a kid and teenager? That shit sucks. <laughs> For real? Next question. No. <laughs> um, you have no bright spots of that shit? I, I, nah, I'm just I'm yeah. just fucking around. I mean, shit. So, you know, I lived in Clayton, which is in between Concord and um, Pittsburgh. It's like a real small town that most people just drive past. Clayton Valley? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so everything in Clayton, you have to go to Concord for. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's essentially like a small town that is, you know, pretty much Concord. Like Clayton Valley, the high school is in Concord. Yeah. Grocery store, Concord. You How far me? is it from Concord, though? It's literally like the same. Sh- like, it's, it's it's hard to explain. Like in, in terms of Oakland, how would you name? It's it? like a border. Like it would be like Oakland and Berkeley. Okay, almost. Sure. But it's that town on the border. But it's imagine like if Berkeley had no grocery store yeah. and you got to go in damn near. Okay, I see. But it, it's literally like two minutes from my house is Concord. Yeah, you feel me? Um, but so you know, I went to school in Concord, Dale LaSalle. I went to a Baptist school. Um. It's just a lot of racist shit, bro. Like, you you know, I, I, one thing we've talked about is um, kind of sometimes you can look back on life and you're like, damn, like, I let some shit slide. Definitely feel that way about a lot of shit yeah. <laughs> growing up out there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think. You had niggas wearing do-rags and shit to school. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine what Spirit Week was like at that motherfucker. Bruh. <laughs> I, I, I don't think. I don't, oh my god! Yeah, I don't think I, that ever should happen. But there's definitely <laughs> a lot of a lot of racist shit that was going on in Concord. Um, so I mean, it was, you know, it's a middle class area. So I definitely had a lot of privilege growing up middle class, but also dealt with like a lot of shit at, at the same time. You know, yeah. I was just definitely lucky, you know, um, to to be middle class and to to not have to, you know, think about certain things. That's for sure. Um, but. It, it, I feel like it was like ups and downs, ups and downs. You know what I mean? It was just hella white, bro, hella white. But you know, luckily, nigga was playing sports. You feel me? So like, I had different experience, and people think, oh, conquer. Like, you know, automatically think white. You know? Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of like black and brown kids out that way too. You know, there's a lot of uh, shit, there's a lot of poverty in Concord too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a lot of like Mexican folks who was poor out there. You know, you go down Monument Boulevard, that shit damn near look like Fruville. You know, by the Costco and shit like that. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, looking back on it, it was like a lot of just racist ass shit out that way, you know? Um, and I kind of definitely had some resentment towards my dad in <laughs> some way. I'm like, bro, like your whole family lives in Oakland. Like, why didn't we live in Oakland? He's like, honestly, this shit was cheaper. Like, <laughs> like this shit was cheaper back then and anyway, I could get a house and it would be safer. So I'm like, all right, yeah, that's, that shit makes sense. As a parent, yeah. you think of like, damn, you know. And I'm like, all right, now that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it was. But I remember getting like, my mom taking me out of kindergarten and shit because I'm like, I'm pretty sure like a kid called me a nigger. I didn't know what that word meant. So I went back to my mom like, what's that shit mean? And then she took me into a Baptist school. So I went to a Baptist school after that. Like, that you, could, like you could run from it. Oh, no, man. <laughs> like, you know, my mom also. Hey, brother nigger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother nigger. You know, to my mom also, I feel like I was just blank to her. Like, you feel me? Like, she, <laughs> she's Sri Lankan. You feel me? Like, yeah. you know, to her, I'm like her son. Like, the most amazing shit in the world. I'm her yeah. first son. Yeah. You know what I mean? Her first child. So, like. You know, her thing was like, oh, you know, maybe this school will be a bit, a bit better. And then it's like, nah, that shit was just racist, Like, bro. this like, about to follow me everywhere. Bro, like, shit, you know, yeah, yeah, like, you know, but like, you know, I was playing football, so I had a, you know, friends who was white, friends who was black, you know, through sports. 
Yeah, that's that's wild though, because I feel like we we talked last week about like me being embarrassed on my mom or like feel me pull up in her fucking bucket and me being poor and shit. And I always assume that like if I got some money, this wouldn't or whatever little microaggressions or macroaggressions I had to deal with as as a result of being poor and black. I'm like, oh, once I get some money, this shit gonna be gone. It's like no, there's niggas like money not gonna buy you that kind of safety, and I think that's yeah. something that liberals push on us a lot is like your dad being like oh if I move you from here you feel me you're gonna be good little you're gonna dude. be good you're gonna mm. first day can't you might be good from something you, yeah you're gonna yeah. be protected definitely from some privileges shit. And yeah, shit it's gonna be, sure. yeah but there's still an element of something that's yeah. like I think it's again to that you able to combat through lived experience you're able to combat the fucking the liberal propaganda that niggas push at us right it's like if you get money yeah. if you fucking move up in class that you're gonna be protected and it's like no nigga you're still gonna be bad yeah. my, my dad grew up poor my mom grew up poor you know, so for them, they're like, all right, I want to try to make sure my kid don't have that same experience to an extent. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm like, all right, that makes sense why you moved out there. You know what I mean? Um, but definitely still like, fuck, we was around all these fucking white people all the time. <laughs> and just even going back there to this day, I'm like, damn, it's just like. Can't believe dude, I lived over here. Can't believe I lived over here, bro. I mean, you know, once I moved to Berkeley and shit, I just don't really. I think I had, I went back to my to my mom's shit once because I had to, there was the dorms. But mm-hmm. I, ain't, I ain't moved back there. So yeah. <laughs> like one of my little niggas who who went to Dale say I went to Cal, uh, he just moved back out to Concord. I'm like, damn, how'd you do that, bro? I could never do that shit. <laughs> I don't know how you moved back out that yeah. way, you know. But what uh, what was De La Style like? I think um, I think what was it like to, I guess like the focus of that is like what was it like to be a black student athlete yeah. at one of the most decorated high schools in the country. So the first, I didn't even get into De La Salle at first because I was getting in trouble at my, the school I was at. Like, bro, I just always dealt with like, some hating-ass teachers, bro. Some hating-ass, so racist-ass white teachers. I'm like, bro, I was kicked out of PE. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go sit in the office <laughs> during PE I'm and shit. Was, well, what about, did you go to that Baptist school in middle school too? Was it, six, yeah. was it K through 8th yeah, or whatever? Yeah, it was like 1st through 8th grade and went yeah. there. You know, so like getting in trouble there and shit, so. I'm already know it's at the bro. beginning of the year. Oh, you got Blake in your class, bro. For sure, they was warning them and shit. Like, you already know that what type of tracking bro, niggas is under. It's, it's wild, bro. Because I remember, I remember coughing in class, bro. Like I have asthma, <laughs> coughing in class, and uh, I remember seeing my teacher. I look at that nigga computer, and um, my other teacher emailed this teacher said, "Hey, is Blake coughing in class? I think that nigga fake. Or, like, I think he's faking it." I'm like, bro, like how foul is that shit, bro? Like you think I'm faking coughing just to like. Like, bro, that shit, I remember <laughs> just always being called to the office and shit at that school. I remember I'd be getting nervous and fuck as fuck, like, when the phone would ring and shit. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm in trouble again. In trouble again. Yeah. You know, so I actually didn't even get into De La Salle initially. And I think it's probably because the principal said, yeah, you don't want this kid at your school. But my mom was just hella. I was almost about to go to O'Dowd because my mom Catholic. Um, so I was supposed to go to Clayton Valley. And then, like, I got into De La Salle, like, the day before. Um, like day before school started, niggas realized they wasn't at that quarter. Like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Because my mom, my mom was pushing the line. Like, she really wanted me to go to Catholic school. She was raised Catholic and shit. You know, um, she went to Moreau and Hayward and shit. So that, that was important for her. Um, so I got into De La Salle, and then I didn't even play football my freshman year because it was like damn near just too late. You know, that shit already was started and shit. Um, but then I was playing rugby. That's when I picked up rugby. And I said, oh, this shit, have a fun. Just get a run over. I get the ball too. You feel me? Nigga yeah. was always on the line and shit. Nigga, <laughs> I get to run the ball. I was juice. Nigga, I was running over them motherfuckers and they put me on varsity. I was like, fuck. I'm <laughs> like this little 14 year old kid playing in the varsity game damn near. And big ass niggas and shit. And then I decided to play football. I was like, fuck, I'm trying to play football again. I played at Claim Valley, Claim Valley Falcons and shit. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick up football again. So I was playing football and rugby. Um, So I was definitely like, you know, it's a. Looking back at De La Salle, like, there was definitely a lot of, like, bullshit and a lot of, like, racism at that school. But that shit for show. I don't know. I guess I was a little bit of a knucklehead. You know what I mean? Um, that for show kind of kept me out of trouble. Like, I was definitely, like, a little bit rebellious and shit. You know, kind of, you know, having shit going on in the house and just, like, man, fuck this shit. It was rebellious yeah. in some way. Um, yeah, so football really helped put me, I, I guess you could say, give me discipline in a way. And put me on like a right path, you know what I'm saying? Um, but so I played football sophomore, junior, and senior year. But that shit was also uh, difficult, bro. I had hella injuries and shit. 
through that whole time. Even in high school? Yeah, bro. And it's like, as I've gotten older, I kind of can look at things in some divine type shit. But like junior year, like, you know, I'm about to probably... Uh, my, I remember my D line coach was like, "Hey, Simon's get ready, bro. You about to you about to get in." I'm like a junior. You usually as a junior at Dale South, you're not usually you're not playing. That's <laughs> it's, insane. Yeah, bro. usually you're a senior and you're playing. You, what? Uh, yeah, Dale South, you. That would explain why a lot of niggas don't get scholarships from there, bro. I mean, the, that's a whole other story. Too. <laughs> that would actually that, explain that, why whole, niggas don't. Because I always wondered. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to dive too much into it, but yeah, I always wonder like y'all have. Some amazing ass athletes and niggas will either get a small ass scholarship or just not get one at all. Period. But I mean, was is that mostly for like line? Because you had skilled players who who would play like like Teron probably played all three years. Teron, yeah, he for sure got brought up to varsity because I think it was just dumbass raw. Yeah, but he was sharing time with uh, Kalen Butler who went to Arizona. I think. Yeah, his junior year, you know, so niggas was looking at Kalen Butler for sure. Probably was still looking at Tehran, but like that nigga didn't get a. I think he got a gray shirt. He got a gray shirt to, to Oregon State. State you yeah. know, got one think, offer. Yeah, like niggas like and Tyler. Nigga, yeah. didn't go. I think he was in Northern Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I think he, I forget where he played at. He, I think he played somewhere. Yeah, and he went up to Oregon State too. I think. Did he? Tyler Anderson. Yeah, yeah. He went I, to Northern. Uh, he he, uh, he walked on. I yeah, believe. I, I, but I think he had yeah. offers like Northern Colorado yeah. or some shit. Yeah. Um, but I always wonder so like, fast. and those are niggas who were hella raw. Yeah, I'm like, how are like, how do you niggas not have like? Of course, the Toronto eventually went and like started and went to the league and shit. But it's yeah. like, who knows what could have been nigga situation if they would have been f- not splitting time. But I guess that's what happens. That's the kind of the choice you make when you go to a, a, a decorated program. You like go to that. a program because y'all niggas was winning every year and y'all playing yeah. on national television. Y'all going to these big ass other schools to play. So I, I, mean, I we, guess it's yeah. like give or take. It's give or take. You know, it's that's one thing. Like people always say, like, oh, they was out recruiting and all that shit and. I don't think that shit is true, personally. I know uh, it's true. <laughs> how else are niggas, like, how else are niggas from Oakland and Richmond and, yeah, like, East Oakland on top of that? Like, how are niggas ending up at De La Salle? Because kids, parents, they know the De La Salle Nobody the wanted, program, bro. No. And also you have, like... You there is some form of manipulation coming from coaches. You don't. There is some form of a coach coming <laughs> to your house or talking to your parent and being like, we're going to do this, this, and this for your, for your kid. I know for it's a fact. It's definitely some shit probably where, doing you know, that. kids was Without going to, a doubt. Fo- to the football camp. Like, hey, you know, there's a there's an opportunity for your kid to go here for sure. Here's how. That's recruiting. Uh, yeah, maybe that's that. <laughs> that's recruiting. Yeah. But then also you got to think about, like, Antioch, Pittsburgh, where a lot of black folks, you feel me, moved out to, right, yeah. from Oakland. Like, there's no uh, there's no Catholic school. You feel me? So, Dallas South is like plays a role in on it. a regional. You feel me? Like, yeah. Dallas South is one of the only schools out there. Then, like, Richmond is a country cost county and shit, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you had, uh, like, TK and shit. You feel me? He, he's from Richmond and went to Dallas South. Yeah. And then, like, I played with his cousin, Antoine. You feel me? Yeah. So, it's like that generational shit, too, kind of happened where a lot of niggas, you know, from different areas. Yeah, facts. Um, who was brought up. And then you have, like, the TK Youth Foundation in Richmond with the connection to Dallas South and shit like that. Um. Yeah, I don't know where we went off, but <laughs> yeah, oh, no. I just dealt with hella injuries, bro. Yeah. Like throughout playing sports, man. Like hurt my knee. I told my, you know, my coach was like, "Yeah, you about to, you about to play first game." I'm juiced. Like I don't know if I was gonna play and shit. You feel me? First game, you know, as a junior, I was like, "I'm juiced." And then uh, somebody got hurt. And then my dumb ass, like, fuck, I'll go in at uh, middle linebacker. I never played middle linebacker in my life. He nigga. was a crash dummy. He was one of them niggas. <laughs> <laughs> nigga was a crash dummy. He bro, threw that nigga in that backer. Bro, I said, fuck it. Because I, I was like, man, I'm just trying to play, bro. I'm just yeah. I'm just trying to play. You feel me? Um, I go in and I hit the nigga and then my fucking leg get caught. I tear my MCL out for the rest. On the first play? Uh, nah, not the first <laughs> play. <laughs> <laughs> go point me. Not the first oh, play, bro. I oh you. my god! I, I wish Keenan was here. This is, I know this is this is the story of you being hurt, but this is hilarious, bro. I'm sorry. This nigga just went bro, in the backer and tore my shit. Because I was always playing line. I never played backer, bro. Never played. Oh my god! This is fucking hilarious. I'm sorry, bro. This is funny <laughs> as fuck. Cause you just know how I just know how like, I just picture it in my head like you just being on some pure like I love football head ass nigga <laughs> for sure for sure I was like yeah fuck it like nigga I'm just trying to oh nigga especially you a junior you feel me like you just oh trying to get it you know what I mean that shit like that. I mean, that's, that's the that's the day law. they had my nigga mind Bruh. warped so why did they put MCL? you why did they let you go in 
This was VAR? Yeah. They didn't have a backup linebacker? Some nigga I heard, I said, fuck it, I'll go play. I was just trying to play. You just ran in? Yeah. All right, fuck it. <laughs> I'm like now I'm thinking about like, my coach this shit be like, is so funny, bro. Like how you about to be like, yeah, you about to play, you about to play tomorrow. Like nigga, you see me running into the backer, nigga. Like nigga, tell me to sit my ass down, nigga. <laughs> I was hella man, so that shit was ass, you know. And then um, yeah, but that was how I was just I don't know. And then also like I learned when I got older, like I was in like this program, like a tracking program, damn near. Like the classes I was in was like a lower end of the classes and shit. It's yeah. called like the Spartan Success Program. So I'm taking like a level of Spanish lower than everybody, a math class lower than everybody, and shit like that. Which I thought at the time was cool because it was like all my niggas was in the class, all my friends and shit. You feel me? Yeah. But it was like, damn, that shit was actually like a tracking program. And then you look at it, it was like, damn, like all the athletes was in it. Then I'm like, thinking, I'm like, damn, like, there was a few white kids in there, but it was like mostly the black and brown kids in there and shit. I'm like, fuck. The white kids who probably actually tested into that motherfucker as opposed to y'all just being placed in it. <laughs> bro, <laughs> That's what yeah, happened. I was placing that shit up to like my freshman year. I was like, damn. Um, but, well, you know, my, my brothers went there and my mom peeped game. I was like, hey, you ain't doing that to Aiden and none of that yeah. shit. Um, but then, yeah, senior year of football, fucking starting juice, play the first, you know, few games. I just kept getting these badass stingers. Like, hella bad. Like, I just kept playing through it for hella long. And at some point, I was just like, bro, this shit, like, my arm, I could barely move my arm. Like, what? you know when you run with a sticker, yeah, your arm shit ain't yeah. Like, yeah. So, I get that shit. And then I had some shit, like, with spinal stenosis mm-hmm. where my ca- spinal cavity was too small. And I had to get a fucking other MRI. And then they thought I had cancer. Damn, nigga. Bruh. That shit was like, especially, you feel me, as a 17-year-old, like, you starting, like, this is the shit you've been working your that ass is, off for. Bro. You feel me? I had, they're like, yeah, we think you might have cancer. Like, you, you'll never play contact sports ever again in your life. Shit was crazy. And then um, I ended up seeing another person, another doctor. He's like, no, nah, you don't have cancer. You have this, but you have, like, a cyst in your spine. And you, you was probably just born with it. Um, and he said, you could try playing again, but, like, that head contact is what's going to fuck you up. So... What would have been the worst case scenario if you kept playing? I'm not sure. Just a lot of damage to my arm. Like it was literally like so much fucking pain, bro. Yeah. So much pain to where it's like my shit going numb. You, you just can't do that. That's yeah. you know, yo strength is you know not not as strong anymore. Yeah, I mean like especially with at the position that you was playing where you literally have to push niggas and drive niggas and use your arms. Like your yeah. arms are dinner. Your shoulders is the first point of contact. Yeah, and your head the first point yeah. of contact too. Yeah. So that shit. Uh, yeah, so I ended up, you know, not being able to play for the rest of the season. Started the first few, started the biggest games, and then <laughs> couldn't play the rest of the season. And um, which, in some way, I look at it now as like a blessing in disguise, because like, you know, that injury in my junior year, shit, I probably would have been playing a little bit my junior year than I would have been playing starting my senior year. I might have ended up playing football somewhere. You know what I mean? And then instead, rugby, because you're not that head contact with rugby is different. Yeah. You're not, you don't have a helmet on. You ain't hitting somebody straight on your head. You tackling with your shoulders. Yeah. So like I wasn't getting the stingers from playing rugby. So I was like, all right, bet. Um, and I just started balling out in rugby, and that's that's when I started getting. Uh, my senior year, I was recruited to Cal, or like my junior year, I did when I went to the camp and shit, and then got recruited and basically got like an offer to go to Cal in my first first few weeks of school, my senior year, which was cool because I knew where I was, you know, gonna go to college. Yeah. But um, that led me to going to Berkeley. Which I think was, you know, just some divine shit, bro. You know what I mean? Like, being able to – like, I might have played football and not, not went to Cal. But Cal was definitely a place that, you know, I had a lot of shit going on, but a lot of shit I figured out in life. Yeah. You know. Uh, I want to touch on the Cal Berkeley shit, but there was a point that you made that kind of aligns with one of my other questions, right? You were talking about you know, um, being a little upset with your pops around, like, nigga, we got all this family in Oakland. Why are we living in Concord? And him saying like, "Oh, the being cheaper and the different access and shit y'all can have in Concord." Um, so while y'all were living in Concord, were y'all still were you connected to your family in Oakland still? Like, would you? Not really like that. So it's kind of just some deep shit to be honest. Like my dad was just not fucking with his mom. Like when he was a little kid, like the '60s, you know, especially at that time too, '60s, early '70s, um, you know, he, he they sent him away when he was like a little kid. Yeah. Um, so he had a lot of resentment towards his mom. Okay. You know, which you know, I, you know, didn't grow up around his mom. Um, so he was kind of just 
didn't really fuck with the family like that. Yeah. Um, but apparently when I was young, though, like, you know, I had some, yeah, my Uncle Freddie was like, yeah, he was at Kwanzaa when he was young and shit, like, shit like that. Um, so I wasn't really, yeah, wasn't really connected, um, which was kind of just terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean Just knowing like You see how big my family is now yeah, Like I got oh hella cousins bro Like yeah. damn near A hundred cousins in Oakland And hella history And like Didn't really get to grow up With them like that Until you know I moved out You know And decided to do it on my own In some way um, Yeah that was like a, That's why like Cal was like a Kind of like a pivotal place For me you know what I mean Like I remember uh, Being there And just like Starting to get into Like my history and shit I remember taking an African American studies class, and he's he's teaching about like Port Chicago Highway and Concord. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck? There's some Black history in Concord, like. Yeah. But that was where that naval base was, and then them soldiers went on mutiny and shit, and basically yeah. um, made hella progress in the military, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, and I was like, bro, I just really like I need to dive deep into my own history. And I'm like, bro, I kind of felt like a contradiction, like especially doing organizing and activism. I'm like, bro, like I'm not even really tapped in with my family like that. Like, I need to, like, you know, find your roots so to move forward. So I remember just finding a, finding my granny address. And uh, one day I was just, like, just rode to her house. Like, I found it on some old mail or some shit. Or I might have asked my mom. I can't remember. Um, I had this little, <laughs> this little tiny, that little tiny red scooter. <laughs> yeah. I drove, just pulled up at her house on 9th Street in, uh, in Berkeley. And um, it was crazy. It was, like, almost like a divine timing, like, my Uncle Eddie out there, my Uncle Joe's out there, my Auntie Anita was there. Like, all the family was at her house. And then, like, I walk in there, and then my granny, she, like, she looked at me like, like, who is this? Like, who are you? Like, <laughs> and then my Uncle Eddie was like, that's your grandson. And I was like, damn, like, that was a moment, like, I really, like, I don't know if, that was probably my first adult moment meeting my grandma. But it had been all those, so, prior to that, when had the, when is the last conscious memory you have of, like, seeing her? I can't even remember, bro. At this point, yeah. like at some point, I did meet her. I know that for sure. Was that your freshman year? You went? When, when was this? That it's probably like my sophomore, or junior year. It's my probably my junior year. Yeah, yeah, junior year probably. Maybe my senior. Year. It's it's wild because you talk about. I don't know. Often when you talk about Cal, you like speak out speak of it as like this like brief ass moment that uh, kind of just happened. But even as I was like writing these questions, like and I'm. I'm thinking about like, oh, when he was at Cal, these are the things, the things that happened. This is just the shit that I know about. Like, I know that there's all these other uh, elements that played into or different experiences that you had that, yeah, that played into the overall experience at at Cal. Um, especially yeah, I didn't suppress some of this shit, yeah, to be honest, bro. Yeah, like you, you getting there via sports. sports and then as a result of politicization being like, oh, I'm not about to fuck with the sports shit no more. And what was, I mean, I think you talked about it a few times on the pod, but nothing too in depth. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, I get to Cal and, you know, I was, I was raw at rugby, bro. I was, <laughs> I was playing out of high school. I was playing when I was 18, I was playing for the USA national team for the age grade shit. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm playing, playing against Canada. Um, that summer I went to, to South Africa for the USA team and shit. Um, playing against yeah, you know what I mean? Like, being able to train with, like, professional teams and shit out there and professional coaches, like, you know, like, I really had my mindset I was going to go pro, you know what I mean? And, like, coaches were saying, yeah, you might have a, you might have a chance, you know? So I was like, for sure, like, I'm for sure. You know, I was just an athlete, bro. Like, <laughs> I was an athlete. That's, you know, I was a jock, nigga, you know? Like, yeah. that's, that's what I was. And uh started getting politicized at Cal, for sure. Like, taking African-American studies class, Robert Allen, he was my first professor. You know, he, he's written some real dope shit around the black radical tradition. Being there and then just experiencing hella shit at Cal, experiencing shit in high school and shit. Um, you know, so having all these different experiences, you know, like from high school, you know, being put in cuffs, my partner getting arrested, you feel me, to all that. Oh, shit, my mom didn't even know about that shit. <laughs> uh, she probably was like, what, the, what, what? You ain't never said nothing about that. Well, I'll talk to you later, mom, about that. But, um, yeah, just like a, a culmination of events that happened. And then, like, my theme, my theme with sports, bro, is kept getting fucking injured. Like, tore my pec muscle off my bone, maxing on uh, bench press to fucking breaking my ankle to... Spraining my ankle, you know rugby a brutal yeah, ass nigga, game, you bro. Mr. Glass, nigga. bro. 
I had so many fucking <laughs> injuries. But that's why I say some of this shit divine, bro. A lot of these injuries made me actually focus, like, on school, bro. Like, start reading. Yeah. You feel me? And start taking African-American studies course. I was like, bro, like, it's clearly showing that, like, nigga, like, your chances of going pro keep going down. <laughs> all the injuries, you feel me? So I was like, all right, studying, studying. That's that's when I started getting more politicized. Um, and then, you know, my senior year, I'm about to start. You feel me? Like, finally just recovering from these injuries. You're feeling good and shit. Um, and then, you know, it's just Mike Brown happened. You feel me? In 2014. And uh, I was like, damn, bro, I can't. You know, I just, this shit was really filled with rage inside of me. And I'm, my team is mostly white for the most part. It was Tongan, a couple, a couple of African-Americans. <laughs> Niggas just didn't really identify with their blackness, to be honest. Yeah. So that shit was just super, like, isolating in a way where I'm like, Nah, I'm not fucking with these niggas, bro. All these motherfuckers is racist and shit. All these motherfuckers is rich, hella wealthy and shit. And I just wasn't fucking with it. And then, um, you know, I started protest at that same time. I pro- protesting with the BSU, started getting involved with the organizing and the activism. Um, you know, we shut down the GBC and shit. And that was when I was still an athlete. So, you know, I, after that protest, I remember that uh, athletic director, the assistant athletic director called, was like, bro, what are you doing at protest? Like, you need to stop doing this protest shit. Basically trying to intimidate me and tell me to stop. Yeah. Get to camp. I'm like, man, fuck this shit. I went to my coach. I said, I quit. I'm done with this shit. And then just dove head first in the organizing. Um, and, you know, that was the demands and the fight for the Black Resource Center and, and shit like that. That's kind of when that shit popped off. But Cal was a challenging place, bro. It's like I experienced a lot of shit. A lot of, like, death. You know, like, my partner Tyler, I remember it was my grad party in high school. And uh, that next morning. I get a call. I'm on my way to L.A. I'm on I-5. And my mom was like, yeah, Tyler died. I said, like, what? And he, like, he killed himself. And that shit just, like, fucked me up. <laughs> shit fucked me up. Um, so I just experienced, like, a lot of death. He was at Cal, though, right? Tyler, nah. He was younger than me. Who, so I, who was bred that passed at Cal? That's somebody else? Yeah, and then, like, my oh, partner. Shit. Yeah, so yeah. it was, like, my... Like, I just started experiencing hella death. Yeah. Like, at, like, year... Like... Going back to back to back to back. Tyler passes away, then my um my partner Weston is killed um by the police. And niggas didn't even realize it was the police at that time. He was in the high speed and uh they said he drove off the road. Then the truth comes out the police is the ones who pushed that nigga off the road. Yeah. You feel me? He ended up getting killed by the police. I'm like, fuck. Then my partner Ted, you know, he's on football. I I hung out with a lot of football players. I lived with football players my whole time pretty much at Cal. Then he he uh he he passes away during a workout, and that's that's also another reason why I just like started saying fuck Cal, bro, because them niggas covered his death up, you know, and then he ended up like getting sued and shit. Like that was we was hella cool and shit, always partying and shit like that. Like cool ass dude, real solid ass, good ass person, wanted to be a doctor and everything, and uh, they covered his death up. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I can't. Like my patience with Cal was just yeah, I was just like fuck all this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I kind of went on a tangent with that shit. But nah, that that shit definitely played like a role in a lot yeah. of like ways into where like I was like, you know, then I was like trying to start organizing athletes and shit at that time too because I was like, it's like the vice president of like the athlete committee type shit. And um, I was like, bro, I can't let this shit happen, bro. They just killed my partner. Like, they let that nigga die, bro. Yeah. Like, and then they're trying to frame that shit up. And that's when I started really trying to like politic with athletes and like, bro, we got to do something about this shit, you know? Um, and then Mike Brown, and then I was like, you know, I need to follow my heart, bro. Really follow my heart and follow my, you know, these being politicized on, bro. That shit, it was scary, though, bro. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm like, quitting, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, especially like, that's my, that was my whole life, bro. That's what I was on, like, ask, how did it feel to choose, you know, quote unquote politics over sports at such a young age, especially at a time now where I think a lot of us voice frustration with athletes who, Especially like athletes who claim to have such political stances or want to be aligned or claim say shit like Black Lives Matter and shit like that, um, but on a day to day basis, you know, when it's time to make that tough decision to put your career on the back burner for the shit that you actually stand for and the shit that you preach, to do that at, you know, what was you like nineteen or twenty when you stopped playing? Probably twenty one. Yeah. yeah, like that shit. That's a lot for sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
I mean, because I love rugby. Like, I love the game. You know, like, that shit was hella fun. Like, and it's something that I was passionate about. But I think over the years of getting hurt um, and then also all the bullshit, you you know, like, you get to, like you was talking about, you get to college. Sports in college is different when it's a whole, uh, you a commodity. You know what I mean? Like, it's a and whole you business. Had one, like, I, I went, you know, I was... I was D one, but I wasn't at a renowned, a world renowned program like the Cal yeah. rugby, Cal's rugby team. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Cal rugby that's is a whole different. That's a whole different element like of a, politics and of uh, assimilation, the integration that they want you to fucking be accustomed to, or they yeah. want you to to dedicate yourself to. Bro, they really try to make you like a cookie cut type of nigga. I'm just I'm that's, that's it, not me, bro. That just was never me, really. You feel me? And I was just like having these teammates was racist and shit. I'm like, bro. I remember some someone said something about my brown. I was like pressing that nigga. I was like, bro, I just walked out. I'm like, bro, I can't, I can't be around you niggas because I'm about to fire on y'all for real. And uh, so I just was like, and at the same time we doing the organizing. I'm like, bro, I just gotta follow my heart, you know. And that was the best decision I made, bro. Really, like, you know, it was scary, but it was the best decision I made and following my heart. You know what I mean? And, and just knowing like there's something bigger than myself. And someone's calling me to do this shit. Yeah. You know. And then nigga learn about his family history. <laughs> you, you start to realize Like damn you, you walking in the path You're supposed to walk in Yeah the, um, I have something on, on both of On both of those We're gonna dive into Your family history and shit But my first question was You know Did you ever think You'd end up At Cal You know Hell no And te- uh, teaching You know and Like how I didn't how think I'd end up At Cal as a fucking student Yeah <laughs> Let alone like, As bro, a faculty I'll, member I'll, I'm walking in That motherfucker like He's He's Square ass niggas asking me, what's your SAT score and shit? Oh, I'm hell like, no. bro, what the fuck? <laughs> Y'all niggas is weird as hell. Like asking your SAT and GPA. Mind you, nigga, I had like probably like a 3 2 something, and then like my SAT was hella bad. Like, probably wasn't hella bad, but shit, you know, like my my grades and my SAT scores and ACT shit, I. Like, I didn't even take the ACT. Like, I probably would have, you know, I, I don't know where I would have gone to college if it wasn't for sports. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. then I'm like, Graduating shit And then three months later They're like Yeah we hiring you You about to start teaching here And shit So I'm like I was a nigga who'd be scared To talk in classes Cause it's just like I just I don't know I felt dumb bro Like yeah. For lack of better words Like I felt Like everyone was smarter than me I felt all those things Especially Coming from like You know Where I was taking the classes That wasn't the highest classes At De La Salle And then I'm at the best Public university in the world And there's, there's just hella pressure To be To do well Yeah so I really feel smart, bro. Like, I tell my students all the time, yeah, y'all see me talking, you see me teaching and shit, bro. When I was in y'all's shoes, bro, I was nervous. I was quiet in class. Like, I was probably that stereotypical athlete <laughs> dressed in slides and some sweats and all yeah. that shit. But uh, I never thought I would be teaching. Never thought I would be teaching uh, or even get a job at Cal, especially with some of the shit I said when I was a student activist. Like, nigga. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You go from like, because I mean, even if you even if you did get hired to the African American department, whatever, I don't know what the fuck words y'all use, but. That's not to say that all those niggas was in alignment for the shit that y'all was pushing for, right? So you go from like being a problem with these niggas, or even just the multicultural space that y'all got, whatever the fuck that mean. Um, like not all those niggas was on the same page as y'all. So you go from kind of being a nuisance to these motherfuckers to having to be in the same rooms and shit as them, Bruh, And that, that was why I was kind of wild. I was like, man, I remember, you know, taking classes, and you know, we would have like literally like undercover FBI agents coming to the class. Sitting in the class and shit, <laughs> being surveilled, you know what I mean? Like dealing with surveillance and shit as, as black student organizers and shit, you know what I mean? And then to get hired, I'm just like, oh, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? To like have all that shit happen and then to get hired and then end up teaching where I've taught there for the past four years, it's definitely been a blessing to be able to like um, make sure that work got done, you know what I mean? Because when we got the center, shit was never built, you know what I mean? Like it was, uh, all right, yeah, y'all can have it, but who's going to do the work to do it? So I ended up picking up that work, um, got hired up there, and then, you know, created the center on, like, a part-time contract. And it was hella foul, though, because the niggas had hella underpaid and shit when we was part-time. Or we was full-time, but, like, niggas just not making, like, this shit was just, they had us fucked up. <laughs> um, but founded the center, Fannie Hammer Black Resource Center, and then it was also teaching African-American studies course. So that was, that was saucy. I never thought I'd be in that position. But, you know, it was all like that one decision, that hard decision to quit kind of led me to these, you know, yeah. to where I'm at now. Um, so I was, that was like, it's a whole bunch of things that happened 
and you don't know what happened at that time, especially being an athlete, bro. Like, you get hurt. That's all you know, bro. I remember being depressed as fuck, taking hell with painkillers, smoking hell with weed, drinking hell with alcohol and shit, like, because I was injured. That's serious as injuries, you know? And then, like, now looking back on it, I'm like, damn, this is why that shit happened, to help align me to my true path, yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like, I don't even really be on no spiritual shit. Nah, but then you look back yeah, yeah. on it, and I'm like, damn, like this shit, these things did happen for a certain reason. I couldn't whatever see it in the call time. It luck, whatever the fuck, yeah. like niggas. And hindsight is it's some divine shit. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, bro. I think it's easy to look back and be like, oh, like this, this led me to have this free time, which led me to do take this action. This led me to go to this city, which led me to do this. You know, like it kind of all starts to make sense. It's just so fucking uh, un- unfortunate the shit that niggas kind of got to go through. Um, I always flack it's other ways that that niggas could have you know learned these lessons. <laughs> bro, I'd and have not, to tear my and not, and not, and tear and, my peck. Yeah, and <laughs> not such a traumatic up. way. <laughs> but uh, in reference to your family though, because that's something that I've been that I was super curious about. Because uh, it's something that we didn't talk about. Like in my mind, in the way that I see you and your family operate, like when I've got to when I've been to family events or you know pulled up at your auntie Anita house or go to the Kwanzaa celebrations like in my mind that is the making and you see the way that I rock on my family right but you know I've been around these niggas my entire life so in my mind I had always assumed that's how it was but then I started connecting some dots I'm like there's no way this nigga was living in Concord and then simultaneously taking these trips to the deep east simultaneously having these type of relationships with these type of people and it was that then in return, like kind of the stuff, the, the later shit that happened that Cal had the impact on you that, that it had, I'm like there was some type of disconnect in my mind. I'm like, oh, well maybe this nigga didn't even know about yeah. this side of his family. Um, so yeah, what was that like to, and, and it's, it's also a fucking blessing again that like yeah. this time where you about to step into some form of adulthood or whatever, you get exposed to this other side of people who are, whether you are, are, are who are a part of you in some way, whether you're yeah. conscious of it or not. Yeah, I mean, I was always, like, kind of mad, bro. Like I was saying, I was, I was, like, mad at my dad. I'm like, bro, like, we have all this family. And, you know, he wasn't fucking with his mom. And, you know, there's, yeah, I mean, I definitely have resentment for it. But, like, that nigga went through a lot when he was young. You know, I had a lot of shit happening in his childhood. So, like, you know. The shit was on the other foot. Niggas probably did the same thing. Bro, yeah, yeah, like, you know, so, but for me, I just, like, I made that choice when I was young. I'm like, or, you know, I guess it wasn't, you know. 28 now <laughs> when I was just stepping in adult I'm like bro I just I need to to find my roots like I need to really know my history I need to really so I just like what I was telling I pulled up to my granny house and you know ever since then just been rocking you know like like you were saying like you know I'm like shy like my sister you know we ain't known each other for like our whole Nigga, lives what did y'all meet at that time period that is nuts bro yeah I told you that <laughs> I, I told you that. I don't remember that that y'all just met <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, when I met when I was at Cal, I said well, me and Sean didn't grow up knowing each other the whole time. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I probably just wasn't listening well enough. <laughs> I for sure didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. like shy like my sister. You feel yeah. me? Another sister. You feel me? Yeah. Um, so I just really just making like and being able to dive into to heal some of those traumas because I'm like, man, like the age my dad was sent away from his family, like there's a lot of real shit going on at that time period. Yeah. So I'm like. Don't really know exactly what was going on, but he was sent away. And, um, but then, you know, I remember going to my Auntie Anita house, and I'm like, bro, she, she got photos up of us. Like, she got a photo of me and my, my dad was out. She photo of, you know, family photos. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? This shit is wild. She's like, hey, baby. Like, just like, this is your home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's that South but that, that's, that's why, you know, family, that shit is so important to me, you know? Um, Really trying to protect my family and just show up, you know what I mean? It's trying to make up for that childhood time that was lost. Um, yeah, you know, and just trying to trying to heal, you know, that that generational, um, the generational trauma, you know, that a lot of black folks experience, you know what I mean? Shit ass Bay Area weather got my fucking allergies. <laughs> I'm over here trying to finish talking. I'm like, scratch my throat. Like, so it's like, I'm trying not to sniff. You feel me? Like, this shit. Uh, but all right. So, like, at the time you, 
like as you de- as you develop in these relationships, are you starting to like learn the the fucking like the history, the movement related history that yeah, your family got? Definitely, I remember. <laughs> I remember uh, I had this Cal BSU sweatshirt on when I went over there. I came from class or something to my granny house, and then uh, my uncle Eddie, he said, "Oh, Black Power, huh?" I said, "Yeah." You fuck with it? He said, "Yeah." He said, <laughs> "Little do you know." <laughs> he was like, "Oh, so you also Black Power shit? We gonna see?" <laughs> and uh, he said, "You know you who your uh, your family is, right?" I said, "Nah." He said, uh, "Search uh, Jaleel Mutakin." Surprise! I was like 21, 20. Search Jaleel uh, Mutakin. I'm all right for so. I look at that shot. I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, you got some history to learn." <laughs> and then they kind of just really, you know, broke it down for me. You know, really start. And then they're just like, "Wow!" Like, it took something. Like, it takes some courage for you to just pull up here and not even knowing. Yeah. You know, and then just telling telling me all the family history. Like, you know, my granny was an educator. I didn't know that shit. You know, and uh, my great auntie was an educator. Like, my great auntie literally ran a, a feeding program in the deep. Yeah. You know, to my other great auntie who found a mom with the King Middle School. Like. I'm like, damn, now I'm a teacher. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, this shit is like some aligned shit, bro. I'm like, my whole family was educators. You know, so I learned about Jaleel. Then I learned about like my great great grandfather, who like, you know, knocked down some crackers and shit and then had to flee from Jamaica, then knocked down some more crackers in Louisiana. They had to flee to Oakland and shit. And I'm like, damn, like, you know, they're like, This is why you are who you are. They would but, always say that yeah. shit. They're like, Oh, they'd be like, You remind me of Tony. I'm like, What what you mean? Like, yeah, hey, you remind me of Tony and as in Jaleel, like that's Former name, and so it's like just you know that should be running through you. Yeah, and I, like it, it. That path, obviously, you got to make decisions to get to that path, but like, like some divine shit, bro. Like it, it's really like even the day that I pulled up on my granny house for that first time, like my uncle Joe was there. He passed away since then. You feel me? Like my auntie Minnie was there. She passed away since then. My granny was there. She passed away since then. So I was like really able to see like my my elders and meet them yeah. for the, like. Hey. You know, before they pass, like that shit. Some shit. I, I'll show you the photo if I can find yeah. it. It's it's fucking wild because I I think we're a, a byproduct. I don't know. I I can only speak to what I've what I've experienced, but I think our generation, in particular, is like a byproduct of the we are not our ancestors type shit in a way that's been so disrespectful, but also in a way that has like if you're not careful, will erase. Like in like even if like like not even if. Like I, we're never niggas who will say that we're not our ancestors type of shit, right? But there is something to be said around when you have a lack of the work that p- the people before you did, you start to think that you are some type of, um, like I, I like you think like what you're doing is new and that you are innovative and you're this kind of like leader of some shit. And it's like when I really got like you know the project we just worked on that's gonna be we about to start talking about soon, like. Nigga, I got to sit down and realize, like, nigga, I can't hold a fucking fork to the shit my granny did. I can't hold a fork to the shit my uncle did. I can't hold a fork to the shit some of my cousins did. Bro. You know what I'm saying? In terms of contribution to the movement. You feel me? I'm like, yeah, like, whether it's literally the blood pumping through my veins or the shit that I saw them do as a kid that I wasn't really hip to, like, nigga, them niggas laid the foundation. And that's why it's so important for niggas to learn their family history so you can realize, like, that shit humble you, but it also motivates you at the same time if you're looking at it from the right perspective. Period, bro, because I'm learning, like, the foundations of my family, like what it took for them to get there. You know, even like, you know, I'm talking to my, my, my great auntie and she tell me, oh yeah, we used to live in the, uh, those Alameda housing projects. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And then my mom's parents lived in those same projects when they came here. My like, damn, like <laughs> it's just some weird shit, you know, you putting those puzzles together and then realizing like, damn, yeah, my, my great granddaddy nigga, he was militant as fuck. <laughs> took his family and, and, and found that, you know, Got property here and shit like that, and you know, made that shit shake. Like, fled violence, real, real ass Jim Crow South violence, and made it shake here in Oakland and Berkeley. Like, we we as products of that, bro. We, we that's we got to know that history. So, with with you having like this lineage of contribution to to radical movements, um, how has that got at the work that you currently do with uh, you know people's programs, PBO? It's just no one I ain't, no one's bigger than the program. You feel me? No one's bigger than the tradition. Like, I think that's something that has helped guide me. It's like, bro, like, this shit is so much bigger than myself, than anybody else, bro. Like, when you have generations of family who will fight and struggle, and it's like, as a younger generation now, it's our duty to pick up that torch 
and, and to move that move that shit forward. You know, so I think it, it's knowing my history and knowing my family's history is giving me like that, like knowing that I'm walking on the right path and giving me that sense of guidance. Like, yeah, my great grand grandfather Frederick Bottom was doing this shit. You know what I mean? Jalil was doing this shit. My auntie was doing this shit. You know what I mean? Um, and knowing that, you know, what we're doing isn't new. <laughs> you know, so I think for me, it just knows that I'm walking in the right path. And I come from a, a rich history of, of resistance, a rich militant history of resistance. And knowing that, you know, this this is for us. <laughs> you know, it just helps you be rooted. You know, like I think all... A lot of these, you know, favorite, you know, revolutionaries and stuff, they was rooted in something, you know what I mean? Whether it was a religion or a form of spirituality. And this, knowing my history, knowing my family's history, it helps root me to where, like, you know, I'm about to give a speech and I, like, close my eyes and think about my ancestors, knowing that they guided me in some way, you know. So, in addition to that, right, if we're talking about, you know, in, in connection to your family history, um, you're someone who, as a result of the work that you've done and the things that you said um, and the impact of it, it's led to you being hyper, quote-unquote, hyper-visible, right? Like, both online and actually mm-hmm. out in the real world. Um, and can you talk about what that has been like for you with your family's history of surveillance? I mean, people think hyper-visible and, and being seen or being, like, visual online or because of a Twitter following or some shit, they think it's all sweet. And shit like that, and also it's something can like, be for some people. If for some people, goal, if you right? if you some people turn visibility into careers, that's all you're doing is like yeah. you're just an opportunist and careerist. You feel me? These resume ass quote unquote activists. Um, but for me, it's some shit like when I started organizing, I knew I didn't know enough, but I knew I knew how to do something. I knew I knew how to use social media, like so. I was like, all right, and I was kind of like into photography and shit, like that shit. So I was like. I was a nigga who was taking the photos. I was never really speaking into that shit. Like, I was just not what I, I wanted to be behind the scenes. I was taking the photos and retweeting it through Cal BSU Twitter page, then retweeting it through my page. Now I go to protests and then start, like, you know, painting. Almost like I was on some Twitter journalism shit. Like, this is what's going on, shit like this, and, like, using the media as a tool to further the movement. You feel me? That, that's how I kind of got on. And then it was just like, bro, you, you got to speak. Like, you, you know, start getting more knowledge and shit and start talking. Like, yeah, you need to speak. Like, you can talk. It's like, all right, fuck. Let's just start talking and shit. Start doing more interviews and shit, which led to, you know, the Twitter shit. And then talking my shit on Twitter led to me getting the platform on Twitter. But the other side of that is like, you know, the shit we was saying, the shit we was doing at BSU, that was like a threat. We was just fine for a resource center, you know, to like the story I was saying. Like, we literally had FBI coming to our class, you know, and literally, like, <laughs> whole ass fucking op coming into your class trying to disguise like they ain't an op you fall they call you get they play you run that shit come back to the public <laughs> like you know what I mean so dealing with that shit at, a, at a 21 22 to then now being hyper visible and knowing that you know like I've had some crackers really try and run up on me <laughs> you know what I mean and that that's that's a result of, of the work you was doing and people say hyper hyper you know when you really, when you hyper visible and you doing the work and you actually doing shit, nigga, you a threat. So yeah, niggas gonna be under surveillance. That shit was that was known. UCPD knew who the fuck I was. <laughs> like that was known, you know. To you know, other people being like literally, and when we was organizing, people was being brought in for questioning and shit. And niggas knew we was under surveillance. Um, and then that's continued. Like that was. What's wild to think about that was like 2014, 2015, and now it's 2020. I'm a lot smarter. More, we're more organized now. <laughs> Definitely more organized. And so I'm like, damn, that shit was happening in, in 2014, 2015. Like, I literally had somebody like write, like, this nigger is selling drugs here uh, on my apartment complex shit. and shit. Yeah. Like, I had a white lady literally staying outside my apartment complex. Like, I, I remember getting home. And um, I'm riding on my school. These, that's why I know these motherfuckers are so stupid, bro. <laughs> like, they stick out like a sore thumb. I'm, you know, I'm coming home, and I see this lady in her car. I kind of look at her, and then she ducks. I'm like, oh, fuck. 
surveillance, bro. Like I don't know what the what else the, what else the fuck that could be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Shit like that happening, just to to being followed, to cars being followed. You know, like there's a lot of surveillance, and that was in 2015. So I'm like now 2020, and then thinking also about like shit. My family's history with Cohen Tail Pro, like you know, Jalil Mutakim was one of the longest held political prisoners in the United States, and I'm hearing stories from my family. You know, and like talking about, oh yeah, I remember like we we pick up the phone and. You know, you hear the, the wiretapper. Oh, I remember, you know, the feds being in front of Auntie Anita house and shit like that. Like, hearing hearing those stories and then, like, now start, starting to experience it for myself. It's like, damn, it's kind of wild. Kind of, yeah. you know. Try, it's an intimidation. Though. They just try to intimidate you and try yeah. to slow you down. You it, know? It, come, it come with it. I, I just think so a lot that, of that shit is, like, the, like, psychological shit, bro. Yeah. Like, it's, like, psychological operations that it's doing. They trying to let you know they're seeing you. Yeah, they we gonna, own you. They you better gonna, move smart because they know we, we can we can catch you fucking up. We own you. Yeah, they're gonna put a little pain in this shit. Yeah, I think for me, I wanted people to get some context as to like what you've been through, so that niggas could see that hyper visibility come with something, and that you know I'm making that my hyper visibility has led to real that the, the history my family has with hyper visibility and surveillance has caused us real pain and trauma. And the only reason why I would even expose my shit, myself to this shit is in the name of the movement because it's. I think like this should come with a toll, bro. Yeah, but people a don't think toe. like that, bro. Especially you being, you know, like a nigga really walk outside. I gotta really pay attention to my surroundings because I've had white niggas try to get on me. Yeah, I've been followed by the police. I've been followed by you feel me, feds and shit. Like, but niggas, niggas that think you know, <laughs> but there are people who make this shit look good. You feel me? The people make this shit look glamorous, bro. The derays, and now we in what well, we into you know quote unquote entertainment. Now we doing the podcast thing, and you know people always project the the people that do podcasts or the people who do any type of entertainment and do organizing work as niggas who are just trying to capitalize off moments and movements. And it's like, nigga, do y'all know what I went through before I even picked up this hella black shit? Do y'all niggas know what the fuck I was going through? Do y'all know what niggas' family was going through? Like, nigga, you had my aunt was on the phone with us. Like, if y'all niggas think that the FBI is not on to what y'all doing, that OPD is not on to what y'all doing, just simply off y'all history alone and the impact y'all having, y'all fucking stupid. I I showed up protest, hey, Blake, police like that. You know, to even like, you know, I remember speaking at a protest uh, in Berkeley <laughs> and this shit was wild, bro. Shit was wild as hell, bro. Because, you know, like sometimes niggas will be like, oh, you black, you you radical niggas is crazy. Like, uh, you know, this is you making this shit up type shit. You know, people be like, oh, the state ain't watching you. What you yeah, mean? Niggas you know talking about you wasn't related to Jaleel. <laughs> Nigga, yeah. These <laughs> op ass niggas trying to say like Jaleel wasn't my family. Fucking Why do we have to play with And I think Niggas don't realize bro We actually That's the thing about Niggas who We're not alone in this But there are people Who exist online And also exist offline Like literally have to go Out into the world And are recognizable And have people That they have to Be quote unquote Accountable to There are some folks who If they delete their Twitter accounts And fucking stayed Inside the house Or if they could choose To not stay inside the house They could delete their Twitter accounts Go outside Nobody know who the fuck They is And those are the niggas Who take Those are the niggas Who take advantage of it Right you can say Whatever you want online Stir some shit up And just get up out of here Just move Or delete your account You know what I'm saying There are some niggas bro Who we do some shit There are people outside Who gonna have Real questions About what the fuck Is going on That we gotta look straight I, I can't Bro I have history Real history of Oakland, bro. I'm named after my fucking daddy. Your mama's, your grandma worked in schools. My granny worked in schools. My great granny worked in schools. Your great aunt worked in schools. Like niggas like, have people that we are <laughs> accountable to. Yeah. We cannot hide. Oh, nigga, it's one of them things. Back in the duck, I told you, bro. I went to fucking truancy, and instead of following the fucking protocol, call my granny up in here. Yeah. I'm saying my name is in the newspaper. And niggas gonna know who exactly who they talking about. You do some shit, your name come up with some shit. People gonna know exactly who they talking about, and that's it's just so important that when you look at when you look at folks who are hyper visible. Or whatever, or doing work, or being revered for work. Look at you feel me. What's the opposite side of that? Look who are who are these people actually accountable to? Not just the online world. Like niggas right. got to go outside and really be held, be seen for what the fuck they did. Period. And it's like that shit. The motherfuckers watch you wherever you go. I remember one time I was giving a, uh, I had a speaking engagement in, in Portland, and uh, I'm sitting in a hotel lobby waiting for my Uber to go to go speak at the college, bro. And this this motherfucker, this nigga, these two niggas in suits. So there's a black man and a white woman sit right next down to me, sit right next to me. It's like, what the fuck? This nigga start asking hella questions and shit. Oh, what's that slideshow about? Oh, you, you give him a talk? Niggas was for show some ops, bro. Like, and trying to intimidate me right before I go give a speech. Oh, we know what you was doing. 
<laughs> nigga whole ass fans and shit. Like, remember we did that talk at LMU and them, uh, what was they, Proud Boys or something? The little Proud Boys tried coming into that our, shit, was our so shit. funny, bro. Like, niggas, niggas be following you when you, you hyper visible and you talk in a certain way. And that, that shit is some type of violence, whether it's ops, whether it's fucking the state, whether it's fucking the vigilantes to fucking, like, literally when I gave that speech at Berkeley, bro, literally the helicopter followed me. <laughs> but niggas would say Oh you just being paranoid you know. And I, I looked at some of them You know I was like Y'all see that right What do we follow me From when I gave this speech And follow me Until I got into my car And that was an OPD helicopter Over the city of Berkeley This is in June You feel me Like so this This, this surveillance How do we know is, is What we know About COINTEL <laughs> Pro And all the other Anti-revolutionary and all the, Fucking programs all the fucking And operations and when we see it happening in front of us, niggas won't, you know, oh, it's, 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 it's wild. All the disinformation campaigns of COINTELPRO, niggas trying to say I'm not related to people and shit. <laughs> niggas saying I'm not related to my family and shit. People <laughs> like that should not be allowed in this space, bro. Like, come on. People telling motherfuckers don't support this organization, support these other state-backed groups. Whether you're a nonprofit or not, you got state funding and it's tracked. Uh, don't support these yeah. niggas who ain't got no go. Don't support the niggas who do who got a political stance attached to the work that they doing. Go support these other motherfuckers who just cause they black. Yeah, and that's why I want people to really, that, really like you know listen to what I'm saying about this surveillance shit, bro. Like this shit ain't cool, bro. Like and this niggas have seen that shit happen. <laughs> you feel me? Niggas have seen that shit happen. That shit that that they try to take a toll on niggas. You feel me? Yeah. Just gotta step harder. Feel me? Because <laughs> the thing <laughs> is, only one thing about that's gonna stop me, nigga. The thing about having that lineage is I can go holler at my great granny when the pressure on. We can holler at Unc when the pressure on. I'm not gonna break niggas. Nah. Not at all. You might try it, but that's all my breath. People need to pay attention to this shit because this shit was happening when I was like hell. You know? And now niggas is doing a lot more, a lot more work. A lot more real work. Niggas hopped off the campus. You know what I mean? So I'm like, if that shit was happening when I was at Cal, I know that shit even more now. But. What time we at? Uh, 107. That was my last question. You got anything you want to add? Shit, I don't know. I hope y'all appreciate hearing some of my story, I guess. I don't know, it's kind of weird talking about myself, but. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's helpful to somebody. And again. Maybe it was just perfect that, you know, we got to talk about ourselves a little bit before we really put our heads down into 2021 and just let the work speak for ourselves. I think niggas work so fucking hard that people just expect that from us and don't understand that we got shit we dealing with, too. And got traumas that we carrying into these spaces, trying not to let them get the best of us and center the work. We got experiences that we've been through that we try not to let get the best of us and continue to center the work. We got people looking up and over us. Like that's just what it is. Yeah. Whether that be for for better or for worse, I think it's just a. This was the time, bro, for niggas to really, really get to see us outside of just the the host of this fucking podcast or whatever brands or labels that people want to put on to us yeah. or subject to us. When hopefully now you know why I got into this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the the sacrifices that you know niggas have done made for this shit, but and just to see me as a as a. Full self. They probably won't, you big brute. <laughs> <laughs> the hell of brute podcast. <laughs> That's how they do this shit. <laughs>